0: BLM riots in Kentucky and across the country. Dr. Fauci versus Dr. Paul on herd immunity, and Democrats gear up for the biggest smear campaign anyone's ever seen.
1: Buck Sexton, mission: decoding the news and disseminating information
0: with actionable intelligence. One
1: call Make no mistake,
0: America,
1: you're a great American. This is the Buck Sexton Show.
0: Former CIA
1: analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Like I can speak
0: for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It
1: is Buck Sexton.
0: Now. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Great to have you with me. And no surprises about what has happened in the last 24 hours. Yesterday on the show, I mentioned to you that Brianna Taylor's case had been decided by a grand jury. And the Kentucky attorney general gave a a lengthy statement about exactly how he came to the the decision uh, or rather how the grand jury came to the decision. But he explained the law and how it applies here. Let's just before I get into the riots and the lunacy and the stupid Democrat commentary around this, all that and the lies, pile the top lies of the BLM movement before I get. Let's let's just make sure we understand the facts as they are. The, these are the, the baseline things you must know before you can even really have an opinion on the Breonna Taylor case. And certainly before anybody could think they have a justification to protest or even riot, although there's no justification for rioting over this issue. And there were protests in, in Louisville, in New York, in, you know, in Seattle, in Portland. I mean, there's, this is all over the place, right? All kinds of Insanity. People being intimidated, people being threatened on the street. But let's just start with the facts. I think that's the most helpful way to look at this problem today. Police were serving a legitimate warrant and the police officers serving the warrant weren't even the ones working the case before. So their job was just to go in and affect the arrest. That's it. They don't they they weren't the ones doing the investigation beforehand. There's no personal animus. There's no we're going to go get this person. They were just there to effect an arrest. And when they and they knocked on the door, it was not a no knock raid, which we were told for months and which was a lie. Now, you could say, Buck, well, maybe that was a good faith error. Why would every news outlet report that it was a no knock raid before we knew whether or not that was the case? Clearly, they just took the side of Brianna Taylor's uh, boyfriend in this or, or they believed him. And assume that it must be the police who were lying because the police upheld all all, or held all along that they were the ones who knocked and that there was nothing that they did in that process. That was unjust. That was wrong. Kenneth Walker was the guy, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend who shot at police. So he opens fire on the officers. Okay, he opens fire on the officers. Kenneth Walker. And they return fire. And they're shooting back and they don't hit Kenneth Walker. A police officer was hitting the initial gunfire from Walker, but they hit Breonna Taylor. Now, there's also been a claim for many months now. This goes back to March that Breonna Taylor was asleep. So the story that people were told that the activists, the anti cop Movement out there, BLM, the Democrat media, CNN, I mean, CNN's a disgusting disgrace full of reckless morons. I mean, MSNBC's no better, but the story that people were told all this time was that Breonna Taylor was asleep in bed and was shot to death by cops who did a no knock raid and they just bust in and started shooting for no reason. That was the story that people were told and that and that spread all across the country. And celebrities, uh, even of the of the reach and stature of LeBron James, made Brianna Taylor's case uh, a huge cause. Right? Look at Brianna. Look what happened to Brianna Taylor. And people believe that what they initially were told about this is still true. Now there must be a cover up, right? Now there must be something else that's gone on here. And it's very, once you understand the facts, it's very clear what did happen and what the real assessment of the situation should be it's a tragedy it's it's a tragedy it was an accident they were not trying to shoot Brianna Taylor this was caught in the crossfire that was that's what ended up happening here because you can't shoot at cops and expect them not to shoot back i don't i don't care how many so-called lib you know they always get some former former you know sergeant from somewhere some former law enforcement officer Who somehow just hates cops, you know, hates the police. And they get tons of lawyers, you know, these ACLU types who will go on air and all they want to do is trash the police all the time. It doesn't matter what they say about the right to self-defense. Police are going to defend themselves. I don't even care what the regulations say. If you have a firearm and someone is shooting at you, you're going to shoot back. You're not going to sit there and wonder about maybe the other person will miss Because you don't want to have to use your weapon. It's absurd. I, I understand. Why are we even having this discussion? It's so obvious. Well, we're having this discussion because there are people out there. Who simply don't care what the facts and what the truth are. We're having this discussion because there are people in the police reform movement of the Democrat Party. And this is a Democrat movement who even the examples you could point to where you say, well, can't we all agree? Can't we all agree that law enforcement should be able to defend themselves when shot, when fired at, when shot on? Um, And there are Democrats now who would say, no, we can't all agree with that because of the legacy of systemic racism in the police department. And maybe the cops have to take a little extra care here and just allow themselves to be put in lethal jeopardy, which is never going to happen. But that's. This is that this is a deranged position. And we've been crawling toward this for a while now. Remember, it was that police officer in Atlanta who wrestled the guy who was noncompliant, who fought the officers, who uh, resisted arrest, took one of their weapons away and then tried to use a taser on the officer. And as he turns, to use a taser. And the officer, the officer fires and they claim that this was murder. No, no. you're supposed to get tasered. If you're a cop, you're supposed to allow a, a perpetrator to use a less than lethal on you and then hope that that perpetrator, who is obviously angry and and uh, full of adrenaline at that moment, doesn't decide to take your side or take your um, your service weapon and use it on you as a police officer and execute you right there while you're helpless. That's wh- that was what we learned from the Atlanta case where a disgusting district attorney, completely political, a total hack, brought a murder charge against that officer. Murder one They could give that officer the death penalty. That's how unjust the left is when it comes to these issues. You see, the left doesn't like police because they don't want the mob, they don't want their emotional rabble to be constrained by laws. They don't want people to feel like They can't do whatever the mob demands because there are people who stand in the way. There are people who stand ready to, yes, do violence in the name of the law so that you and I can sleep soundly at night. Left doesn't like that. Meanwhile, they'll use the force of the law for very minor transgressions. Some of you may have seen the video of the woman who was arrested at an outdoor baseball like Little League game standing, uh, you know, or or sitting in the stands, didn't have a mask on. So they arrest her. Oh, okay. People say, well, Buck, no, They, they told her to put a mask on. And then when she wouldn't, they said she's trespassing. And then they arrested her. Okay, they arrested her for not having a mask on. That's right. They took away her freedom. They processed her because she didn't wear a mask outside. And all the libs will cheer for this. I hope I hope Fauci is proud of what he's done to this country, that little moron. Yeah, no, I'm done with him. I've been done with him for a while, but I'm not even pretending to think this guy His I just see the slimy BS arguments from him now all the time. Never admits all the catastrophically wrong things that have been said by him in the past and just continues to make everybody feel like we have no future. We're going to have to keep wearing masks even after a vaccine. No vaccines. Perfect. Got to keep wearing masks. Probably multiple iterations of vaccines. Got to social distance forever. I just want to tell Fauci, go blank yourself. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't care that you're the world's expert on this. The world's expert didn't do a damn thing to help us when this actually could have been slowed down in the early days. You know, we, we turn around, we ask the medical community, give us, all, you know, oh, please pass your wisdom to us from on high, medical policy experts. A wisdom like, let's get everybody on ventilators as fast as possible. They're not going to tell you this right now, but I know this from talking to other doctors. A lot of lives could be saved, could have been saved, they had just used oxygen masks instead of ventilators. But remember the whole push for, oh, Trump's not using the Defense Production Act. Trump's not doing enough to get the ventilators. No, now we got ventilators that we're going to have to turn into espresso machines. we got nothing to do with them. Ventilators cause infection very quickly. They're, they're, they're an absolute last resort. and They're not meant for, long, for the long-term usage of trying to keep people breathing when they have this COVID problem, which is why, you know, you went on the ventilator, you had a 50% chance of dying on it. But, oh, no, the uh, the, the the top cast, the elites of the medical policy community, they really they really have been doing a great job. Heck, heck of a job you've done, Fauci. Heck of a job. So back to. Sorry, I, I'm particularly annoyed about that today, too. Back to Fauci. I'm sorry. <laughs> see, back to Brianna Taylor here. Uh, there was an injustice done yesterday and it was not. The decision to uh, forego murder charges that the grand jury did not think there was a, there was a murder here and there wasn't, obviously shooting at someone who's trying to shoot you and and missing and hitting somebody behind that person doesn't make you a murderer. It makes you human. It means you made an error, a, a tactical error under pressure that a lot of people would make, even people who are trained. But there was injustice yesterday there. Were, in fact, two injustices that i want to talk to you about neither one of them have to do with cops not being indicted for brianna taylor's shooting
1: you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast
2: It is shameful what came out of the attorney general's office and the grand jury, not because of grand jurors, but because we know that prosecutors craft their own narrative. They can expand the number of witnesses that go into a grand jury, or it can be very narrow. And if there is an issue of fact and law that still remains, individuals should have the right to express their defense in a trial by their peers. He did not do that. The attorney general of Kentucky did not do that. It is very obvious to us that there was a grave injustice because did he call uh, the other witnesses who said they did not hear uh, the officers announce themselves? Were some of the officers in plain clothes so that if you're in the middle of the night coming into a private home, which is a another very sacred place in America's hearts, Americans' hearts, in the middle of the night, plain clothes uh, and people were asleep and they could not see who you were. Did he not add that narrative so that grand jurors could understand what it means and then let me just say this it was a defective warrant
0: um, just making stuff up at this point that's representative Sheila Jackson Lee uh, Yeah, f- find witnesses who didn't hear a thing well the witness in the apartment adjoining because they were this was in apartment three and the person in apartment four heard the knock and very clearly said I heard them say police open up warrant or you know police search warrant so you can find other people who didn't see something that that, that doesn't that's not how proof works right. You can find someone who's two blocks away from a shooting. Did you see the shooter? No, that's not that that's meaningless. All that matters is that there's a witness who heard this. It doesn't matter that there are other people elsewhere who didn't hear it. That that's not how evidence works. Unless they were closer to the sound of the noise. But even then, where were they? And oh, she knows better about the investigation than the people that spent months doing this. No, she's just making stuff up. This is just being a sore loser because she wanted a political outcome here. That's what Representative Jackson Lee wanted. She wanted people to be prosecuted because there's anger, because there's anger among Democrats, because there's anger within a segment of the black community over this shooting. It is a tragedy. It's a sad thing. Bad things do happen. Bad things do not equal somebody goes on trial for murder. You know, this is not a complicated idea, but Democrats, when they can't get their way, they'll pretend that they just can't comprehend. Well, I don't understand. You know, this is terrible. Uh, this is such an awful thing that they didn't what they they thought there should be a murder charge. Oh, I, I get it. You know, you know what you really see? They just want to see a cop here get charged and go through that and be re- and, and maybe then when the verdict comes out, they'll say, well, you know. No, of course not. They, when the verdict happens, and it's not guilty because the cop is clearly not guilty, then they'll call for more civil unrest, more riots. You know what the injustice was that was done yesterday by the grand jury? It was the decision to indict on three counts of wanton endangerment because one officer, not even the one who shot fatally Breonna Taylor, one officer fired rounds that went into a, a neighboring apartment. Anybody who knows anything about ballistics understands that that can happen. OK, that's why it's such a it's such a a big deal when police have to pull their weapons and use them. You know, so, so now it's, you know, by the way, a bullet could go through a person. Depending on the caliber and the, and the proximity, a bullet could go through a person and hit a person behind them. So so now well, you're going to hold that person accountable for that, too, if they're if it's a legally justified use of force. You're expecting the perfect usage of force? No. So what they did was put these three wanton endangerment charges under Kentucky law against one officer who didn't kill Brianna. Taylor. He didn't even kill Brianna Taylor. Right? There's murder and there's killing. Killing means you take someone's life. Murder is you illegally and immorally take someone's life. He didn't do either of those things. He just fired at her boyfriend. Who well, I've also got to say... People are banging at your door at 3 o'clock in the morning. You just start blasting? You, you just start blasting at them? I mean, that's that's a risky thing to do, especially when it's very possible they're police, and especially when, based on some of the additional evidence here, it is still believed by law enforcement that Walker was involved in the drug trade, okay? He thought it was drug dealers coming to rob him. They just happened to be coming to that apartment to rob him at 3 a.m.? He just happened to be the luck of the draw there for him? Let's use our let's use our heads, folks. But no, the injustice here was the charging of one officer with three counts of wanton endangerment as just a an offering, an offering to the mob trying to buy them off. Here you go. We won't let him off entirely, guys. We know this was a bad situation, but let's let's try to charge this officer. He could theoretically go to prison for 15 years for this, folks. It's not a little thing. Three felony counts of wanton endangerment. That's in that's injustice. You don't charge somebody. You don't use the power of a prosecutor's office to try to make the angry, ignorant mob happier. That's not what you're supposed to do. That's not that's not the system we live under. You know, if they're going to tell me that I can't in New York City have you know, two or three AR-15s and a couple of handguns and, a, you know, a couple of shotguns, which is what I'd like to have if I could. If they're going to tell me that under law I can't do any of those things. They better darn well actually enforce the law as it's written. We keep saying, no, they, they want to defund police and they want to disarm you and they want to punish people that try to protect themselves. The injustice from the court yesterday was charging an officer with anything. And then there was a whole lot more injustice. And it wasn't about the non-charging of officers. Thanks for listening to the
1: Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I think it's
4: grossly insufficient. It does not deal with the fact that the life of Brianna Taylor was taken. It does not address her uh, being a, uh, a victim of being killed. The value of her life, is not at all addressed in these charges you could get endangerment if you shot in the air at nothing you took a woman's life a woman who was in no way should have even been in that situation because the person you were pursuing was not there she committed no crime she'll only act that night when she went to bed that night and she is dead the indictment does not address the life when we say black lives matter this indictment says it does not matter
0: reckless demagoguery from a man who has excelled in that area and excelled at starting race riots too stretching back for decades now the the reverend al al sharpton uh, saying that black lives do not matter uh, because of this because of this decision from the court, that's his claim. I, I heard other commentators saying the same thing uh, that they, they love over at CNN MSNBC to put people on TV who will say just that, that this this tells us that the court does not find that black lives matter. Oh, here, here, CNN, Bakari Sellers, play nine. I think it's pretty clear um, that the black lives do not matter. I think it's pretty clear that uh, justice is fleeting. Um, That if you are a person of color, particularly a black woman in this country, um, you know, the quest for justice and the road to get justice is longer and harder um, than than most. And I think that uh, yesterday there was there was more concern for uh, the walls of the apartment next door. Uh, These charges these officers face or that officer faces is a sham. Um, You know, when you have one person who's charged for just uh, shooting a gun willy nilly, uh, as we say down south, um, with a fifteen thousand dollar bond, sometimes you just have to smile at the absurdity. See, it it doesn't actually placate the angry mob and the demagogues who rile them up when you put forward these charges of reckless endangerment, which is which is clearly what this was meant to be. It was a consolation prize. Here you go, guys. We'll, we'll charge one of the cops. So then at least the headlines can say one officer charged. He's going to beat the charge. The charge is nonsense. All right, the charge is effectively you know shooting. Back at someone who shot at you and not putting every round. Imagine if they actually hit Walker with with all the rounds they fired. Then it would be, oh, my gosh, excessive force. Look, what, I mean, there's there's no way to make people happy. They've they've set themselves into a narrative that they will not move from. They're, they're just dedicated to this now. It doesn't matter what the facts turned out to be. Bakari Sellers, Reverend Al, name, you know, any of them, you know, Qu- Chris Cuomo over at CNN. All misstating facts on this constantly. None of them say, wow, I guess it it, we shouldn't have been saying all along that it was a no knock raid. It wasn't a no knock raid." Well, now they're just going to say the eyewitnesses got it. right. They did the same thing with Mike Brown. You had black eyewitnesses that said Mike Brown in in Ferguson, Missouri, charged the officer, attacked the officer and the officer shot him while the while Mike Brown was charging at him, running at him to tackle him. Mike Brown was very large man, by the way. The officer was not. Uh, And. They just say, oh, well, they, 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 you know, memories and they get it wrong. And so you see, that's the thing. They'll just there's no such thing as facts for this group. There's no such thing as facts when it comes to all these issues for the left, because even when we have things that we should all say, OK, here's what happened to the best of, of our ability to know anything. Here's what happened. They'll say, no, we don't think we don't agree. That's what happened. No, what happened is a thing that we we tell you we want to say happened. That's their approach. It's very hard to uh very hard to argue with somebody when you can't when you can't even work from the same reality. They're operating from a different reality. I mean, if they're going to talk about how the settlement or rather the uh, the charges didn't deal with Brianna, the value of Brianna Taylor's life. The, the charges have to do not with showing how much they value someone's life. The charges are about did this person or persons commit a criminal act for which we, the state, are going to punish them, ruin their lives. But that's what justice demands. Do they commit a criminal act? Did they have the mens rea, the state of mind necessary to be held criminally culpable for this? The law isn't just I'm upset about something and I want someone to be punished. That's not the law. That's not, if it were, we would all we would all constantly be getting marched off to uh, prison camps by libs who are upset about all the CO2 we're putting in the air. Right. That's not the law. There is no good faith argument that what happened here is wrong, meaning that there was no murder. There were no murder charges. It's not a murder. It's just not. I mean, they can argue about this all day. It is a tragedy. It is a tragedy. If a, a you know, city employee was driving a garbage truck and the brakes failed and that city employee ran over somebody in a crosswalk, that's horrible. That's a tragedy. It's awful. Bad things happen in the world. That's a terrible thing. And we should all do what we can. And society has an obligation to help out that family that has that law. But, you don't lock. I mean, if, if the brakes failed, you don't lock up the guy driving the truck as a murderer. Doesn't matter how upset people are not a murderer. You know, this is an important distinction here. But you see, they're trying to they're trying to use emotion to overcome and erode the law. They're saying the most inflammatory things possible. And here you have multiple commentators that I, I saw. And I'm sure there are a whole lot more saying that this judgment shows that they believe, quote, black lives do not matter. End quote. Wow. You see a lot of people yesterday talking about how Breonna Taylor's family got twelve million dollars from the city of Louisville. That's that's the the city of Louisville saying we are really sorry about what happened. This should not have happened. And we're going to try to help take care of your family and try to ease your pain in some way, even though they'll never be they'll never be able to make it right. Money doesn't make it right. And I totally get that and accept that. But that's where the you know, the societal culpability here, the, the systems culpability comes in paying for an accident, a tragic accident. You don't lock people up for an accident. I know you say, Buck, but they. They chose those officers chose to draw their weapons. They did what they were supposed to do. When someone is shooting at you and you're a cop and you've said police search warrant. And they shoot at you, you shoot back full stop. There's, uh, we're not going to budge on this. You know, we're, we're going to have to start digging in, folks, and being a little absolute on some basic principles because the left is playing games with all of this now. Oh, maybe they maybe they didn't need to shoot back. Maybe they could get like a magic, you know, net gun and just. Wrap the net around somebody so that then they don't have to shoot. I mean, this is the kind of idiocy I hear liberals. I'm being serious. I hear them talking about things like this. Now, maybe we have some there's a dart gun they can use or something else to incapacitate a person shooting at police. No, we have less than lethals. They try to use them sometimes when someone's shooting at you. You're not shooting back with a taser. But they don't really care about the truth here about what's really happening. This was all about a narrative. It's all about a storyline. And ultimately, we have to confront this. People get uncomfortable doing it. They don't want to hear it. Uh, They, many of them still believe it. The story that the police are systematically hunting black men and murdering them without consequence, that is the central premise of Black Lives Matter movement, is a lie. It's a lie. It's just not true. And they can keep saying it and keep getting worked up about it and... It's not true. No, no part of that. It is not systematic. It is not continuous. It is not widespread. It is not unpunished. And it, and all, oftentimes they're picking cases where it's not even an unjust shooting. Not always, but most of the time, most of the time, the shootings that they pick to make a, a major cause for the movement, they lie about what happened. And then we find out the truth. They just pretend like we don't know what really happened anymore. Friends, this is about rage and resentment and envy mobilized for the purposes of the Democrat Party. That's what is really going on here. Just tearing us apart, hurting us as a country. We do not benefit from this. No one benefits from this except those who use this for their own power. Doesn't make our community safer. Doesn't make us get along better as as a people. America is this incredibly diverse country. And we do get along very well overall as a people. You look at us compared to a lot of other countries and what goes on there. Democrats want to pull all that apart. They want to undo the very foundation of our justice system. They want to pretend that just because people feel a certain way, the facts don't get to interfere with their feelings. And that's not true. That's not true. But you're going to see a lot more lies about this. And you're never going to see a leftist have a debate with somebody who understands these facts and is adept on it because they would get crushed. They can't they can't actually handle an exchange here. They're going to say, is it fair? No, it's never fair when someone is killed by the state in an accident. That's never fair. It's it's wrong. It's tragic. It's bad. Is it murder? That's a different question. And our whole legal system is built upon What is the guilt? What is the culpability of an individual in an act under the circumstances presented? It's not a bad thing happened. Let's go find someone to blame for it criminally. It's not how it works. But that is what we're seeing from these protesters now who did exactly what we knew they would. Running around the country now, attacking police in the streets. Two cops shot last night in Louisville. Let's get into that. You're in the
1: Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
0: Riots were expected in Louisville and riots happened. We've got somebody joining us now who is there on the front lines, letting us know what really went down. Julio Rosas is with us now. He is a senior writer at townhall.com. Julio, glad you're safe and sound, man. What what happened last night? What would you see?
5: So there were a lot of marches. There was a lot of rioting uh, in the aftermath of the grand jury uh, decision that, that was announced yesterday. The city was kind of bracing for that. And unfortunately, the riots kind of came to fruition uh, around seven o'clock, uh, eight, uh, eight o'clock last night at the Hall of Justice, which is where the city government is kind of located around in the downtown area. Uh, people started to set fires uh, all over the place. And then at one point they tried to set fire to the wooden boards that were protecting the windows on the Hall of Justice. And so at that point, the Louisville Police Department declared it to be an unlawful assembly, and they said that they had to leave or else the crowd control munitions were going to be used. And so officers inside the building had to come out to put out the fires, but they were just absolutely pelted with all sorts of thrown projectiles, and so they had to retreat back inside. Uh, the, the crowd then left the area because they didn't want to be tear-gassed. And so they were they were trying to go in through the side streets because they were trying to evade police from cutting them off. And then, and then at one point, it was over on on Broadway Street where they were marching towards the police officers that were up ahead. Uh, the officers fired two flashbangs uh, in the air that exploded overhead. And then, about two seconds later, that's when we started to hear gunshots ringing out and and people really started to scatter because uh, obviously we don't know who who's being shot at. And then uh at that point, uh, a large number of police officers just swarmed into the area to, to clear everybody out.
0: So there were gunshots. Uh, from what I read, two officers were hit. What do we know about them? And what do we know of the person who shot them?
5: So the police chief later that night, I, I went to the uh, hospital where they were. The two officers were taken to. And uh, the police chief said that they did receive uh, non-life-threatening uh, gunshot wounds uh, and that they are expected to make a full recovery. Uh, and at the time, he said that they had a suspect in custody. And, and that's as far as I know. And uh, they, they did finally release the, the names of, of the two police officers. And, and of course, uh, you know, this whole thing is about resulting of Black Lives Matter and, and you know, protecting minorities. Well, one of the officers was shot was African-American.
0: And they have a suspect in custody, Julio?
5: Yes. Yes, they
0: do. What do we know about the suspect?
5: Uh, not, not much from, from last from last I heard. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen much of an update in, ter- in terms of that. I think that they're also still looking because there were also other, there was also other gunshots that, that happened in, in, in that area and along with uh, the rest of, <laughs> rest of Louisville because again, it was just it was just chaos. It was just another it was just unfortunately kind of a repeat of what we've seen uh, across the country.
0: Was it was. I mean, I'm assuming it was very similar to what we saw and what you saw. I should say on the front lines in Kenosha. Uh,
5: sort of. Uh, K- Kenosha was just because unf- they. It's a smaller, much smaller town with a much smaller police force, so that's why they were overwhelmed uh, with trying to protect the uh, the county courthouse, and then the rest of the downtown area was was at the mercy of the rioters and looters. Uh, and so uh, Louisville had had uh, state troopers. On standby, they were able to clear out the uh, Jefferson Square Park after the gunshots uh, and after the officers were hit. And so th- this was – what I can say, this was not a peaceful – mostly this was not a mostly right. peaceful march because because as, as they were marching through, people were breaking off and, and setting fires. Uh, they were breaking the uncovered windows, and they were being cheered on by the crowd. And, and, of course, you know, you, there was members of the media there, including myself, and they were telling people, you know, like, you know, stop recording, you know, get the cameras out of here. And they were threatening uh, the people who had the big cameras, because obviously you can't really hide that. So this was not this was not a mostly peaceful march uh, that I, that much I could tell
0: you. Speaking of Julio Rosas, senior writer at Town Hall, Julio, we've got about a minute. I, I want to ask you, though, what you think uh, in terms of any preparation, coordination. There was that video of the U-Haul full of protest and riot material that pulled up broad daylight right in downtown Louisville. What can you tell us about that?
5: Yeah. So there was, there was a woman who was saying shields. And and at first I thought she was asking for people who had shields to move up to the front of the crowd, which is a very common tactic. But then uh, as I got closer to her, I could hear her saying, we have shields, we have shields. And she was pointing to the U-Haul truck at that point people were just rushing and they were grabbing all sorts of stuff banners homemade shields and and all that and so th- th- there is definitely organization behind this and especially when you see in places like portland where you know they have it down to an art form essentially but there there is a, a supply chain and there is organization uh within this uh, how far and how how far up and how deep it goes i'm not entirely too sure but Uh, it was, it was a pretty shocking thing to see because that, that was the first time I had ever seen anything like that.
0: Julio, uh, just real quick. Are we expecting more in Louisville or do you think it's going to calm down?
5: So I think because, unfortunately, we did have those two officers shot, the, the police kind of are taking zero chances. Uh, what we saw last night, they really cracked down pretty hard. Uh, they, they actually rounded up uh, a lot of reporters in, in their in their crackdown and arresting people, including uh, two reporters with the Daily Caller. And so I think they're going to really be... Uh, bringing the hammer down on, on anything nefarious that might happen.
0: We'll see. Could happen elsewhere yeah, in the country. We'll Julio yeah, we'll Rosas of, of Town Hall, everybody. Julio, stay safe, man. Thanks again for all, all your reporting. We appreciate it. Thank you,
1: Buck. Thanks for listening to the Bus, Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get
0: your podcasts. So now we're in another wave of riots. Going to be happening in cities across the country, most likely. Now, Uh, On the one hand, I have to say, I I do believe that when these BLM rioters do the stuff that they do, uh, they're unintentionally cutting campaign commercials for the Trump campaign. I mean, they're they're helping the cause of Trump getting reelected by showing the American people, especially those who are not brainwashed Democrats. Right. Those voters that maybe would go either way, that kind of believe Joe Biden's not such a bad guy and he's been around a long time. but You know, Trump was good on the economy. They see the lunatic Democrats marching through the streets, screaming in people's faces when they're just sitting there, eating, screaming at people as they're trying to sleep in their homes at night. You know, wake up, wake up. There's no justice, no peace, all this stuff that they're doing. People see that and they say, I'm probably not going to want to reward that kind of childish and destructive behavior. I'm not going to say that I like that. And uh, not going to give my vote to the party that clearly represents that, which is what the Democrat Party does. Um, but beyond that, I, I want to note that there is there are inherent contradictions in the BLM movement that they're never forced to address. That the people that are out there marching are never asked about. You know, you'll notice they they don't do a lot of man on the street stuff with BLM, do they? The reporters. In fact, we we heard before from uh, from Julio Rosas that they don't want reporters to show what they're really doing right that's that's considered and they expect obedience because they think journos journalists are on their team and so they expect that they'll they'll be helpful in the propaganda of these movements as mostly peaceful which is what generally speaking the journos do they pretend that they're mostly peaceful protests even though they're not it's not a mostly peaceful protest when you have people passing out free riot shields right after a uh, grand jury makes a decision about charges mostly the right decision but as i said I, I don't think that the cops should have faced the three charges of wanted endangerment i think that's just a total cave that's cowardice that's trying to buy off the mob that's all that is there's, there's no justification for that looking to charge one of the cops with something so they didn't let them all off that's all that is that's that was the decision that was made and i'm sure the grand jury felt that way too okay well we don't we don't want to let the you know, this was bad. So something someone has to get punished for something. That's not justice. But on, on this this point about what what is fair, what is right and what is just. I would note that the, the BLM movement uh, should be asked about some things. I mean, they, they should have to explain to people. Uh, you know, why is it that. They they do this stuff and they commit injustices while claiming that they fight for justice, they attack innocence in the name of protecting the innocent. They don't see these contradictions. Even if they could, they don't care. This is about raw power and only a fool can't see that. Why? Why doesn't ever why doesn't ever understand this right off the bat? Uh, you can't claim to be a movement about justice and then go and destroy the property of people who have done nothing to you. They're going and attacking businesses. They're, they're breaking windows. They are stealing money, right? Destroying property is a form of theft because you are causing debt. You are taking money from that. When you break a storefront window, you are taking money from that store, from the people who own it, people who work there. You're taking from them. Now, we, we have to get back to what kids learn in kindergarten here. But keep your hands to yourself. Don't take other people's stuff. BLM movement seems to have forgotten all that. Doesn't care about any of that. You cannot claim to be a movement concerned with justice and do injustice regularly, repeatedly, unapologetically, which is what BLM does. They they say that they're fighting for justice with these acts of destruction and intimidation against innocent people. But in reality, these Biden voters might as well be making Trump campaign commercials because Ohio soccer moms are not big on mob violence when they go into that voting booth. I hope they certainly remember that. Something else I hope people remember. Remember when all those big companies in America were bowing down to and begging forgiveness from and paying off a bad faith Marxist movement built on lies that has now led to enormous destruction immiserated communities, and a number of dead cops. I hope you remember, I hope you never forget how many companies immediately bent the knee. BLM rioters going around feeling like they're not only supported by the media, but they're funded by corporate America. It's, uh, it's a troubling circumstance, friends. The The elites are using the mob against those who stand in the way of total control of those in charge. This is not a new tactic. This has been done in many countries and many times in history in the past. Right? The people that are calling the shots that have special privileges and tremendous wealth, they get the angry, insecure, unsuccessful mob to start burning down other businesses, to start attacking the political competition so that the people who are angry are making sure that the people who see what's really going on aren't able to throw out the bums who are making all the decisions at the top. There's a strategy behind this. You know, the Democratic uh, elites, I mean, the greatest fraud of those elites in the activist class is the pretense that they care about working class people. There was a video last night where you saw a protester going up to, a, to police officers with a megaphone. This was in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And he was saying, look at you, you're protecting McDonald's. You're an idiot. Um, if the cops weren't there, they would have trashed the McDonald's, berated any employees who were inside, terrified any patrons who were just trying to have a simple meal. And these idiot protesters would feel righteous about it. On an MSNBC, they'd treat them like they were the Freedom Riders. They'd treat them like they were... People fighting for civil rights. It's appalling. It's appalling what they do. But this is where we are. This is the society that we live in now. I mean, just imagine for a second if in response to charging Kyle Rittenhouse with first degree murder. Still amazing that that's what ended up happening, but it is where we are. Imagine if Trump supporters in cities across the country rioted, attacked police, destroyed buildings. The lib media and, I mean, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the rest of them, they would demand martial law, suspension of habeas corpus, and order the National Guard to open fire. They'd have no problem with it. No, no issue with it at all. They would demand it, in fact. You cannot be a movement devoted to justice that commits injustice, which is what they're doing. You cannot explain or justify destroying The businesses, the homes, the peace of mind, the safety of people who happen to live in a city where there happen to be some angry leftists. It's completely unacceptable. And it's why BLM does not deserve your support, does not deserve even, it does not deserve deference, doesn't deserve respect. It is a destructive Marxist movement based entirely in racial division and resentment and anger that hurts people it is hurting this country and the democrats are using this it's a catharsis for their trump derangement syndrome it's become an outlet for their rage about the fact that donald trump has been president and his supporters all still support him and people think he's done a pretty darn good job don't ever forget that this is all tied in together that this is for the left a way to try to seize the moral high ground while they're really just complaining about Trump's America.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: Every time this happens, we obsess over details as if there are enough details to make America finally believe that black folks are worthy of living. The details did nothing for Tamir Rice. They did nothing for Ayanna Jones, who was asleep on a couch. They did nothing for Walter Scott. When we saw on video, he was running away. And they certainly didn't do anything for Breonna Taylor. The details never seem to be enough to treat our lives as valuable by a system that has a foundation based on our labor and not our humanity. The demand is simple. Stop killing us. We know that black victims will never be perfect enough for this system. We simply, simply want to be allowed to live, to rest and to thrive.
0: That's a black black policing reform activist named uh, Brittany uh, Cunningham. And that's a very good example of the poisonous and deranged rhetoric of Black Lives Matter. Does she really think that People don't care about black. That's really her belief. She really thinks that no one cares about black lives. Black police officers don't care about black lives. Members of the black community that are out there saying that they want more security, more police in neighborhoods. They don't care about black. I mean, what really is the charge here? That the system doesn't value black life. There are a lot of people in prison right now for killing black people as well as other people. A lot of people are being punished for this. But what is the real the central premise, the reason we have the Black Lives Matter movement is the killing of Mike Brown. Mike Brown deserved to be shot by a police officer. It doesn't matter that he was black, doesn't matter what color he is. He deserved what happened under the circumstances as we know them. If you attack someone who is a police officer and try to harm them, they will shoot you and that is justified. So the movement is founded on a lie. Hands up, don't shoot. And then there are successive lies after that. She mentioned Walter Scott, a case in South Carolina. And, you know, as the system doesn't value his life. That cop was charged with murder. That cop's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. What, what, what is she missing here? That, that wasn't it. So she's even talking about cases where people said, yeah, actually, that cop did cross the line. That is excessive force. Guys, guys, life is ruined. Over. So she's throwing in cases like that. No one says that police don't commit abuse. Police are human beings. Police can be criminals. They can be racist. They can. But. You know, we're talking about less than one one hundredth of one percent or one one thousandth of one percent. And you're going to throw all the other seven or eight hundred thousand sworn law enforcement officers under the bus all the time because one person does something that sometimes is bad. Sometimes they lie about it and make it sound like it's bad when it's not. But it's it's stunning. We simply want to be allowed to live. And then we go to the how many people are killed every year uh, by police and how many young black Americans are killed by other young black Americans every year. We all know the disparity is about, you know, six or seven thousand to 10. But because it's the state and it's the system and there's all these political implications around it, they want to focus on the the 10 to 15 cases a year under questionable or perhaps even illegal, immoral circumstances where a young black man is shot by police. They focus on those cases, and, and there's no effort to deal with the thousands and thousands of young black men who are killed, sometimes for just being in the wrong neighborhood, sometimes for having you know their, their hat on in a way that offends some gangbanger or whatever it may be. There's no effort to deal with that, none. This movement ignores the thousands of deaths and, and focuses on a dozen or 20 a year, maybe, maybe thirty. I don't know. What depends on the year. And then it's a huge national. We have to go through these national convulsions over this. All under this premise. LeBron James even said this that we're being hunted literally every time we leave our house. That's a, that's a psychosis. That's not true. The state is not hunting black people every time they leave their homes. The state is not hunting anybody every time they leave their homes. This is a lie. But you know what these lies do? They energize, they mobilize, they get people angry. And when you're angry, you're much more susceptible to being controlled. As long as somebody tells you where to focus that anger, you're looking for that outlet. And then that leads to things like what happened last night in Louisville, where you had two cops shot. This is what it sounded like as that happened. Play clip one.
4: Oh, it shot a shotgun.
6: Oh, They're at the police.
0: so gunshots two cops hit could have been killed maybe uh, never see their families again not not get to live another day young black man is in custody for shooting both of them what do you think he what do you think he believes about police i mean there are Police reform experts who are going on TV who are saying things like we simply want to be allowed to live. We're constantly being killed. This is shrill, insane hysteria. It's not true. The police are not constantly killing unarmed black people. It's a lie. It's a lie. More people die every year from lightning strikes than unarmed black people are killed by police. Fact. Every year in America. So they're they're complaining about something that is statistically less common than a lightning strike. And they lie about some of these incidents in order to get people even more upset about them than they would otherwise be. But, folks, this is about uh, agitation. This is about undermining our system, undermining our society, dividing us, turning us against each other. It's really very ugly, this whole thing. This whole movement doesn't inspire. It's not about peace and love and bringing people together. It's about anger and rage and division and resentment and envy. The Democrat Party embraces it. Democrat parties, along with it, and and they they will hold people up who say things like, "Here is a uh, former police sergeant who went on M- MSNBC speaking about the black attorney general and and what he said at the press conference yesterday." Play clip three. Well, listen, not only
2: um, is he being intellectually dishonest about that, you know, I find all of his remarks with regards to this whole entire press conference offensive. And let me just speak to this whole celebrity influencer thing. While look, they can't speak for Kentuckians, let me say this is a black woman. He does not speak for black folks. He's skin folk, but he is not kinfolk. folk. And so just like he thinks they can't speak for Kentucky because he's up there with a black face, he does not speak for all of us. This was not a tragedy. This was a murder. He should be ashamed of himself.
0: Well, Cheryl Dorsey is wrong. And her analysis is garbage. She doesn't strike me as somebody who knows what the heck she's talking about at all. But she's doing exactly what they want her to do at MSNBC. She's she's undermining or negating the blackness of the attorney general of Kentucky. I mean, to make this really about uh, ultimately the left wanting different racial treatment Uh, for people in the justice system, right? That if you are black, if you're white, if you're some other ethnicity, there's supposed to be a different set of rules depending on what the left decides. That is a recipe for destroying the entire justice system. That is a recipe for pulling this country apart at the seams. But that's what they want right now. The left is angry. The Democrat Party is angry. And they won't, they can't control it. They don't want to control it. And that then brings me to the the most the most, in some ways, insufferable part of all this are Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Now, oh, prayers up for the police officers who were shot. You know, what would be more helpful if Kamala and Joe stopped defaming cops, stopped giving cover to the lies and told their voters, told the Biden Kamala voters out there. Don't attack police officers way more helpful than their thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers are always fine but they're actually in a position to do something about this right if i'm the surgeon that's called in to do heart surgery yeah i might get thoughts and prayers but that's not all i'm expected to do i'm supposed to save somebody biden and kamala could save lives but they don't want to upset their supporters by saying don't shoot cops Thanks for listening to the
1: Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: It is outdated. It is is wrong-headed thinking to think that the only way you're going to get communities to be safe is to put more police officers on the street. What we have to do
0: and what we will do is reimagine public safety. What kind of bull crap is that? First of all, it's a straw man. No one's saying the only way to make community safer is to put police on the street. But that is a very important thing to do. You want to make community safer? Encourage people to get married and stay married. Encourage people to finish high school. Don't tell people the cops are the enemy. These are ways. Encourage parents to raise their children in a two-parent household. Those are ways. Oh, yes. By the numbers. By the social science. Those are ways to make communities safer. But that's not what people want to hear. Much, much more pleasant to the Democrat base to hear that the problem are the cops. The problem are the people who are there to make sure that little old ladies aren't bludgeoned by crackheads on their way to the grocery store. The problem are the cops. Sure. Sure they are. What could be more disgusting and disingenuous than this? But Libs live in these. These these bubbles, these echo chambers of the various websites and news networks that just tell them this lie. And they, they never will. Look, they'll never be confronted by people on the other side. They'll, and then they fall back into the slogans. Oh, do, you, do you not believe there's systemic racism? Do you not? These are feelings. These are feelings. These are not arguments. Do you not believe there's a history of oppression in this country? No, that's of course. Yeah, there's oppression. There's racism. But how, how do we how do we build a society that functions as best as it can? And a society that is ultimately acting in the interests of individual rights and justice with its every act. Well, they don't even think about that, do they? But but Harris is so funny. Reimagining public safety. This is this is taken straight out of like the the faculty lounge handbook at Sarah Lawrence College or something. Let's reimagine. Let's like reimagine public safety. What does that even mean? Reimagine it. How? And and you want to do that while there's 50% increase in shootings in New York City and other cities having big spikes in, in shootings and murders? Yeah, reimagine it while people are getting killed. Ultimately, the left also thinks the only bad people the left thinks exists are uh, white male oppressor Republicans. They're the only bad people, according to the left-wing ideology. Everyone else who does bad things, it's society's fault, it's because of you know some lack of a social programme or you know there there's some there's a collective responsibility for all the other ills of society, but the only people that are ir- irredeemably evil and bad are white male republican oppressors that's it every everybody else at least has a saving grace everybody else is you know uh, y- you can look at the totality of the circumstances you know yeah the guy's an m s thirteen hitman but You know, he had a tough go in the early days in Honduras before he came here illegally and we didn't take him in. So, you know, we didn't make him a citizen. So really, the fact that he's, you know, cutting people's heads off with a machete, I mean, you know, let's not blame him. Oh, my gosh, you voted for Trump. Evil, evil, bad person, you white male Trump supporter. It's it's look, you know what I'm saying It's true. You know, this is the reality. The libs will always find a way to justify the behavior of other people. You know, and that's one of the great things about being a white male liberal is at least you get a little bit of you have to constantly bow. And unless you're super rich and connected and then you kind of just, you know, are are the puppeteer pushing around the rest of the Democrats, making them do what you want and pretending, you know, you get to be in the Pelosi role or the Schumer role. Right. But. if You're a white male liberal, you get to think, well, at least I'm sort of one of the good people. I'm not one of the really terrible people. So that's. uh that's the, the reality of the country we live in now. And I just want to say that the reimagining public safety is a phrase that intelligent people could not say without feeling ridiculous. You know, without without knowing that they're just being complete demagogues trying to get people all fired up and angry about something instead of actually dealing with the problems. Speaking of fired up and angry. that's always a good transition on this show. Speaking of fired up and angry, I don't trust this moment of calm we're having in the Supreme Court nomination battle. Something's going on. Something's up. I know they, they are going to try something. I don't know what it is. I'm thinking about it constantly, trying to figure out what is the angle. I've said to you, yes, they're gonna, there's gonna be mass disturbances on the street. They're going to, I mean, they're they're gonna call out everything they've got, but they called out pretty much everything they had for Kavanaugh, and didn't work. They came close. People often forget that. If Blasey Ford was the only person they put forward, and Kavanaugh had not come out, just in an absolute defense of his character and of his soul in front of the country in the way that he did, which is why they were so angry at him, saying, oh, he was so angry. They wanted to watch him. They wanted to watch him collapse and be destroyed. They wanted to see that. They wanted to enjoy that. Instead, Kavanaugh came out as a man and came out firing. God bless him for it. But they threw everything they had at it. They're going to try something here. They're going to try to do... Something that. Ah, I wish I wish I could see it coming so that I could try to prepare conservatives in the right for it and get word to the White House, even if I could, Well, I mean, I could. But if I knew what it was, I don't know what it is. But we we do know that they're not going to let this go easily, even Elizabeth Warren. It's been a while since we've heard from Elizabeth Warren. Oh, oh, gosh, gee golly, I, don't, I, must, I grew up. And my, my daddy always says I was one one million in Cherokee, and I'm from Oklahoma. And, you know, I just let's let's take the banks and take all the money and give it around to the people that haven't done anything for it. Let's do. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Here she is blasting Republicans over the Ginsburg situation. Uh, the- It's not the Ginsburg situation. It's the Supreme Court seat that is open situation. Play 14.
7: Ruth Ginsburg was a woman who never let any man silence her. The most fitting tribute to her is to refuse to be silenced and to name exactly what Donald Trump and Senate Republicans are trying to do, steal another Supreme Court seat. This kind of sleazy double dealing is the last gasp of a desperate party that is undemocratically overrepresented in Congress and in the halls of power across our country. The last gasp of a corrupt Republican leadership, numb to its own hypocrisy, that doesn't reflect the views of the majority of Americans or the values that we hold dear. The last gasp of a right-wing billionaire-fueled party that wants to hold on to power a little longer in order to oppose its extremist agenda on the entire country. What
0: is she even saying?
7: I mean, really, I know she thinks, oh, I'm just so
0: upset, and I'm gonna just, oh, yeah, I'm gonna be yelling and upset about the right-wing billionaire. What is, what does this even mean? Uh, they're trying to steal how are they stealing what is theirs democrats you're you're acting like crazy people here okay if if i own a home and i walk into my home i'm not trespassing you can say it's trespassing but you're wrong they're not stealing anything stealing implies the illicit taking of something from someone else who has a right to have it it's not stealing it's a constitutional obligation to fill the seat but they're just going to keep lying this is not hard there's nothing to stop republicans there's no rule there's no law there's no nothing to stop them from doing this but they just can't accept it they won't accept that this is the reality they won't accept that things have have changed a bit Uh, that's really it's really stunning isn't it they're um completely, completely unhinged over all this. And and they won't even rule out Supreme Court packing. Here's Joe Biden. Play 15.
3: Will you go along with what some Democrats are proposing to expand the court?
4: What I'm not going to do, and I hope you'll understand, is play the president's game. He wants to change the subject. Instead of about... Violating constitutional principles by moving forward in the middle of an election. Elections have already started. He wants us talking about whether or not we're going to expand the court or we're going to court pack. I'm not going to get into that.
0: I'm not going to get into that. Uh, you know, he uh, called the lid for his campaign again today, I think by noon. Eight out of 20, what is it, eight out of 24 days so far? Biden campaigns like, and we're done. It's lunchtime. Done for the day. No events, no 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 uh, interviews, nothing. And now uh, that's so funny. Now some of the, the lib libjurdos out there, are, he's just doing debate debate prep. Really? He's doing debate prep. This guy hasn't done enough public speaking and debating. Over, he's got to do debate prep. I mean, yeah, for like a couple of days beforehand. But come on, really? Yeah, he was doing debate prep. That's why you know September, the first week of September, he missed a couple of days because he was doing. It, it, look, they're a little cover for this guy, no matter what. But uh, he, he, they, they want to leave open all these options so that they can tell their base they're going to do something. Uh, but here, here's the truth, friends. They're gonna, they're gonna pack the court as soon as they think it's in their interest to pack the court. They're not gonna. There's no promise they're gonna make. And remember, this all we got to this point. Because Harry Reid blew up the filibuster because it benefited Democrats who were in power at the time. You know, they can't help it. They have a lost for power. They will do whatever they can to increase that power. There are no norms or rules or principles that will be allowed to get in the way. Now they got to live with that. Now they got to live with the consequences of their actions and, you know, take it long and hard. Sorry. Stinks for them. What a shame. Too bad. But I'm telling you they're going to do something. And I'm going to keep, you know, send me your thoughts on this one. Let me know what you think they're going to do. They, They cannot, I mean, emotionally, psychologically, the Democrats will not be able to process the possibility of a truly right of center Supreme Court. Just, I mean, it's not going to be like, you know, it's not going to be like putting Ted Cruz on the court, I can tell you that. It's going to be, you know, if if a if a, a one is far-left lunatic, you know, uh Sotomayor, and ten is Justice Scalia, right? They the court's gonna be at like a six if we get Amy Coney Barrett. And that. That's the thing. But they're used to it being at like a three or a four. And Sorry, that's not that's not written in the Constitution. It's not the way it has to be. Libs, maybe don't make the court so important.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
4: To serve on the board of a Ukrainian energy company facing serious corruption charges, you were the vice president running point on Ukraine. The Average Joe hears that and says, that sounds fishy. What's your understanding of what your son was doing for an extraordinary amount of money? I don't know what he was doing. I know he was on the board. I found out he was on the board after he was on the board. And that was it. And there's nobody. Well, you had a lot of time. Isn't this something you want to get to the bottom of? No, because I trust my son. But that doesn't pass the smell test. Like when you're vice president, isn't there a higher standard? Don't you need to know no. What's happening with your family? Don't you need to put down no. some guardrails? On, 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 unless there was something that was, uh, there was something on its face that was wrong. There's nothing on its face that was wrong. So, so look, if you want to talk about problems, you know, let's talk about Trump's family. I mean, come on. This is, so. these <laughs> guys so, are amazing. So you think that everything that happened was kosher? You know there's not one single bit of evidence, not one little tiny bit, to this anything done was wrong. You know that. But you keep asking me these questions. It's OK. He, you know, you're you're you know, you're doing what you have to do.
0: Look at how surly and defensive Biden got in this interview. That was a part of an Axios interview asking, I mean, about about Hunter Biden. Who look, Democrats want to pretend that they're all about transparency and accountability and and good government. And that's, of course, laughable. But here's one of the reasons why it's laughable. You're running foreign policy for the U.S. government in a country like Ukraine that desperately needs U.S. help. Okay, this isn't like you're the point man for the U.S. relationship with Great Britain, which is kind of like you know goes as it is. I mean, it's not really gonna the Brits will be okay. No one's gonna. There's not gonna be some huge change in our policies. Ukraine really needed us, and your son is getting paid whatever it is, close to a million dollars to sit on the board of a company in an area he knows nothing about. It's about the appearance of impropriety. Joe Biden, you moron. He does not one bit of evidence. Anything's wrong. No, the evidence is this looks bad and people lose faith in the system because of it. Right. So just want to say that's that's obvious. But but even even when he gets asked the question, you have to notice, even when he's just he's talking about this issue, it's clear that he is outraged that a journo would even ask him. He's outraged that a journo would even push him on this because they're supposed to be on his team. He's not supposed to get real questions. He's not supposed to be asked real questions. No, 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 of course not. He's supposed to have people that just give him a constant back rub on TV and tell him how amazing he is and how the American people should vote for him. Even though, look, I firmly believe that he does not have he does not have a the con- he does not have the physical, psychological, emotional constitution to be president of the United States, folks. I, I don't think he's up for the job. I really mean that. I, I, don't, I don't I don't say that'd be provocative. I think that and I think Democrats, some of them, some of the people at the top echelon, in the Democrat Party, they know this, but they're just he's just supposed to get them past the election and then they'll figure everything out afterwards. And they're they're little sheep in the Democrat Party. we just go, bah. you know, they'll do whatever they're told and they'll go along with this. And, you know, when 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 President Kamala takes the reins, they're going to look, they're not going to be even a little bit uh, remorseful about this. They're going to say, look at what we pulled off. Ha ha. We stopped Trump from getting four more years by putting forward this this empty suit buffoon that should be focused on, you know, feeding nuts to the squirrels and reading picture books to his, you know, his grandkids, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. But he shouldn't be president. Right. He shouldn't. He should be doing those other things that I said Instead, he wants the nuclear codes. And Democrats are saying, if you don't give it to him, you're a bad person. Thanks for listening to the Sex Sexton
1: Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Okay, it's been a little bit since we've talked to our friend James Altucher. He's an entrepreneur, podcaster, writer, all those good things. He's with us now to talk about what's going on in this country and here in New York City in particular. What's going on, James?
6: Hey, Buck, how's it going? Thanks so much for having me on the show again.
0: Yeah, man. And and it looks to me like somehow and New York, I believe, is maybe the most concentrated example of this. But I feel like everyone, as we're getting closer now than ever to a vaccine, the panic is getting dialed up among a lot of people on the left and a lot of people in the mainstream media as if things are going to get... You almost get the, the feeling that they believe things are going to get worse if we have a vaccine.
6: Yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, here we are, we're in the seventh month of economic lockdowns. And cases are minimal at this point. We We already know so much more about this virus than we did in March. Like, in March, we had no idea about the contagion rate, the fatality rate, treatments, uh, you know, what, what will ventilators work or not? Will masks work or not? And so we crushed the economy. Like, could you imagine, let's say there was no pandemic and somebody said, okay, everybody who has a business, we need you to shut that business down for a minimum of six months and everybody has to stay at home. We're just doing this for fun. You would say that's insane. You're going to crush the economy so bad that society and culture will never be the same again. And that would have been the correct answer. But there was this justification that we had this virus. And now, you know, who knows what would have happened differently if we didn't have a lockdown. But we do know for sure the economy has been crushed. It's just obliterated. New York City is a great example where, I mean, just yesterday, de Blasio fired 9,000 Critical city employees with, and we don't know. There's no plan. We don't know when that's going to stop. There's there's no plan on any of this right now. And you know, I I, I wonder
0: what your thoughts are as we get further in here. I, I know that you had that that uh, editorial that you wrote in the New York Post, and then Seinfeld responded in the New York Times. And I agree with you. It was weird that he was attacking you personally because the argument that you're making, a lot of people I know who are in New York and who understand the scene here. Have been making versions versions of it, and it's not a per, it's it's not anyone being a good person or a bad person. It's this is what I see happening in the place where I live. And you were not living in a thirty million dollar mansion at the time in the Hamptons, from what I understand. Um, now that we're a little deeper into Wait, this, but
6: only a month later, now I am living in a thirty million dollar mansion. No, <laughs> I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> that would be nice. But uh, you know, now that we're yeah. even a little deeper into this. What are the trends that you're seeing? We're supposed to get to opening of indoor dining in New York City. Obviously, other cities across the country also are watching what's going on here, taking some of their cues. They're all Democrat controlled. So what do you what do you think? I mean, are, are we going to I believe I used to think that they were trying to lock us down until the election. And I want to put this theory past you. And then if Biden wins. All of a sudden, the easy answer is, oh, things are getting better and we're going to be OK. We don't need to panic anymore. I actually don't think that's true anymore. Now it's locked down well beyond the election and to use the pressure and the, the authoritarian impulse that the Democrats have here to push through policies. And I, I effectively, I think they like this control. I think they want to keep doing this deep into
6: 2021, even if Biden wins. Yeah, I, I believe that, too. I mean, look, Biden's talked about a national mandate for masks, which is just insane. And I'm not saying anything about masks. But I'm just saying a national mandate. That means whether you live in the densest part of New York City or you live in the mountains of Montana and you're going out to get your mail a mile away, you have to wear a mask. Like, it's, it's insane to make any kind of national law like this. So what I think is happening, and you're seeing this in New York City, first off, you're seeing already economic collapse, which is why the mayor is being forced to, you know, do all these firings just to save, you know, to save money. But what you're really seeing, and nobody will will acknowledge this, what you're really seeing is what is called traditionally fascism. So fascism, you could think of as a state-controlled capitalism mixed with identity politics. So, in, I'll, and I hate to go straight to to Nazi Germany to describe this, but, you know, originally the Nazi Party was called the National Socialists. Uh, The the Nazi Party, when they took over, took over every single part of capitalism What, what you, you know, what you bought, who could sell, what you ate, you know, how you moved. And that's what's happening in New York City is that. We were told to all close down our businesses and to stay at home, not even to go outside. And now the economy is ruined. And then identity politics, obviously in Germany there was heavy identity politics. Either you were German or you weren't. But now in New York City you have the mayor you know, talking about how we can't open uh, restaurants because the, the wealthy don't need to eat out as much. Completely disregarding the fact that a half a million people will be unemployed if, if restaurants close down, and you know critical tax revenues that are used to pay city employees and healthcare workers will be gone. And you know what do you call identity politics mixed with you know extreme state-controlled capitalism? This is what fascism is. It's not a far-right movement. It turns out to be a far-left movement.
0: I, I think your analysis and that's the is astute. Of all
6: these cities, and eventually, you know, for the first time ever. And, and, Buck, I know you, you'll, you'll um, acknowledge this, for the first time ever, you and I can have a conversation about the practical aspects of ses- state secession, you know, a state leaving the, the, the United States, a year ago, that would have been an insane conversation. But now there's actually a path to that being possible, which is almost as insane. Well, yeah, I, I think that the the
0: rifts that we're seeing these political rifts as they play out, especially with the exodus from states like California, and New York, uh, and and there's that's going to continue this narrative of you know the the Democrat socialist project. It took a while for it to reach catastrophic failure, but it is failing in these places. You know that there are certain states that a tremendous concentration of wealth. A lot of you know New York's a great example. California's a great example. And it takes time to ruin something that was so wealthy and so fortunate, right? It's kind of like the bratty kids who inherit the family company and the family fortune. They don't go bankrupt day one, but over time, they pretty much sometimes will ruin it. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Yeah. I mean, now when you get to the Cuomo Newsom level, Newsom is spending time saying that only electric cars, I think, are going to be sold in California starting in you know twenty thirty five. Or I mean, this is this is Looney Tunes stuff.
6: Yeah, I mean, and look. California, which has always been considered so progressive and so open to equal opportunity, in theory, is actually the reverse of that. California has over 192 career paths that require blue-collar licensing, so if you want to braid hair or be a manicurist in LA or San Francisco, you've got to spend money to, to get a license and and for 192 other professions as well more than any other state what do people want in, who are who are protesting the thing that they want most is prosperity and jobs and the actual laws of states like California and New York are preventing people who, who most need jobs from getting jobs because the state is trying to control every aspect of how we make money how we raise our families how we find prosperity for ourselves and I'm not not being ideological like this is just how you how people survive and it it seems like the laws are trying to to prevent us from doing that oh you have to stay indoors and then if you want to work you have to apply for all these licenses just to I don't know braid hair or in New York now nobody can eat out it's just not it's illegal to eat in a restaurant it, and meanwhile, there's not really, I'm not saying there's no health risk at all, but people will do what is right for them. If they need to quarantine because we know, okay, the, the coronavirus affects older people and people with pre existing conditions, those people will quarantine the same way they would in a flu epidemic, the same way kids might quarantine in the 1930s if polio broke out in their school. People would take off from school for a little bit. You didn't need laws and, and shut down the entire economy in order to in order to survive these epidemics that, that we survived each time.
0: What do you think about the the argument? We're speaking to James Altucher, author, writer, podcaster, uh, What James and, and fellow New Yorker. Uh, the, the argument that lockdowns didn't even have the intended effect of suppressing the virus. Where do you come down on that?
6: Well, the lockdown, the entire purpose of the lockdowns from the very beginning of this, I mean, back in late February early March I spoke with one of the top epidemiologists from Imperial College who was helping, you know, guide policy and everything and he was saying, "Okay, we need we need we don't know if this virus can be contained or not and we didn't know that then, but we need to at least try containment, meaning, you know, some form of quarantine." And he said the reason for that, which was which became the official reason in every country, was to so-called flatten the curve, to make sure that hospitals wouldn't get overwhelmed by a sudden spike in cases. That was the entire reason for any sort of shutdown. And and the idea was to never eradicate the virus with shutdowns. That was never once spoken about. And now they're saying, well, now we have to keep the economy closed until the virus eradicate. When have we ever done that for any sort of illness or disease? We didn't do that for polio. We didn't do it for flu. There's been pandemics in 1958, 1968, uh, uh, you know, 2003, 2010. We've never done this before, and I, I think if anything, the, the lockdowns could be exasperating um, problems. Not only the problems with the virus, because now everybody's quarantined inside, potentially giving it to each other, but also, uh, you know, there's there's collateral damage, as been mentioned in the media a lot. But there's collateral damage from keeping people at home, there's rising abuse cases, there's rising suicides, there's rising uh, drug addictions, there's rising divorces, there's rising deaths from not being able to be treated for cancer or blood pressure or strokes or whatever. So again, I think people should have been trusted to quarantine themselves, which is essentially what happened anyway. And we probably would not have had any significant difference in deaths, but the economy would have kept going Instead of the precarious situation we're in now where, you know, New York City is going to have to fire tens of thousands of people. Other major cities will entire, you know, 55 million people at one point or other applied for unemployment insurance during this period. This is like horrific. Yeah. Well,
0: I I hope people wake up. I don't know. You know, instead of uh, shouting at people to put their mask on outside on the street like a moron, I I hope everyone will just understand what's really going on here. And maybe we can start to turn New York City and the rest of the country around with it. James Altucher, guys, check out his show, his podcast, uh, re- read his stuff online. James, always great to have you, man. Stay safe. Thanks, Buck. Thanks for having me on the show. You're
1: in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show Podcast.
5: Dr. Fauci, today you said you are not for economic lockdown, yet. Your mitigation recommendations from dating, to baseball, to restaurants, to movie theaters have led to this economic lockdown. Do you have any second thoughts about your mitigation recommendations, considering the evidence that despite all of the things we've done in the U.S., our death rate is essentially worse than Sweden? I don't regret saying that the only way we could
1: have really stopped the explosion of infection was by essentially, um, I want to say shutting down. I mean, essentially having the physical
5: separation and the kinds of recommendations that we've made. You've been a big fan of Cuomo and the shutdown in New York. You've lauded New York for their policy. Right. New York had the highest death rate in the world. How yeah. could we possibly be jumping up and down and saying, oh, Governor Cuomo did a great no.
1: job. He had the worst death rate in the world. No, you misconstrued that, Senator, and you've done that repetitively in the past. They got hit very badly. They made some mistakes. Right now, if you look at what's going on right now, the things that are going on in New York to get their test positivity, one percent or less.
0: All right. I, I can't even I can't handle this guy anymore. OK, bull. I, I got a call from the test and trace court yesterday, the day before. They don't know anything. They're just harassing me. You know, you know, are you making sure you stay inside. Yeah, of course. Are you doing everything that we tell you to do? Yeah, sure. Do you know how to get a COVID test if you need to? Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm being serious. This is what they ask me on the phone. They call me. They have a human being who calls I me. Mean, look, I'm polite. It's a person doing their job. I'm not going to hold a whole. I don't hold them accountable for these stupid policies, right? They're just doing what, they, what they're told is their job. But what the heck is this? And Rand Paul's totally right. Fauci runs around being a little fanboy for Cuomo. Cuomo is the worst, the worst COVID response in the world from this moron. And it's the numbers. Look at the deaths. Look at the numbers. OK, the worst in the world. And Fauci's now. Well, they've done all these good things. What have, what have we done now that we weren't doing earlier on? Oh, we're not sending po- covid positive seniors to nursing homes. OK, Cuomo figured that one out the hard way. But see, this is the problem, folks. It's all now. Well, sure, you got hit really hard, even though you had lockdowns, even though you had all these things. And yes, it's true that. The lockdowns were never meant to stop the virus from spreading permanently. But because you're doing these things that we tell you to do so well now in places like New York, that's why the test positivity is so low. Well, what about the fact that if it worked really well, it would have worked really well in April. It would have worked really well for the 10 weeks That New York was just on a a total panic and people were dying, you know, by the thousands every day. Uh, Yeah, that that it would have been different. It would have been different. Right. But no, now now that we've been through it, they're going to tell us, oh, it's because we're doing things so well now that these areas are at at lower degrees, which also means I want to note. That if we do see a a resurgence of cases in the wintertime and coinciding with the flu season, you know, what they're going to tell us guaranteed you guys aren't doing a good enough job with our recommendations. It's your fault. The this is the classic maneuver of unaccountable bureaucrat morons. There's another there's another possibility here over T cell immunity and cross immunity, which is there are a lot of papers written by real doctors, real scientists at the top level in the international community. Saying that they're actually finding this is a big component of it, uh, but the journos don't want to hear that, and they the journos want to want to flex their web MD muscles against actual MDs like this buffoon a, a, over at NBC Play Twenty One.
4: So the answer is no. It is not 90% of people that are susceptible to the infection. So I guess my question is, for
0: I'm not a doctor, I defer to your expertise on this and to his, but so Americans hear one thing from the CDC director and another thing from you.
4: Who are we to, to believe? You're supposed to believe the science and I'm telling you the science. So he's it's not telling it. a science. I'm telling you the science and that's the answer. And if you want to look up All the data, you're free to. You can also talk to the following epidemiologists.
0: I guess, why is he still going out before Congress and speaking? If you say he's mistaken today and the president said he mistaken last time, Americans are looking for the best information right now. Yeah, and I'm
4: giving you the best information, and it's confirmed by people like Martin Koldorf, who's a Harvard epidemiologist at Harvard Medical School. Let me finish, please. Please, please. Jay Bhattacharya and Johnny Anides, both epidemiologists at Stanford.
0: So he's naming doctors who have written on this and who have looked at all the data who are world class. And yet, if you still bring up cross cross immunity and T cell immunity added to antibodies to get us to what is closer to herd immunity, right? The disease spreads much less quickly, even if 30 or 40% of the population is immune, you have a much smaller field for it to spread, right? So that is much more likely to be what has caused the slowdown than these these policies that didn't work in the beginning. But now we're told, oh, well, they have worked now. You know, it's they're never they're never good. Folks, just get ready for this now. They'll never admit they were wrong because they've done so much damage and they've been such smug jerks about these mandates and lockdowns. They'll never admit they were wrong. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe
1: on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Ain't no party like a team buck party because a team buck party don't stop. Yeah, we got Buck turned up to 11.
0: It's time for Roll Call. All righty. Roll Call, everybody. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. If you want to send us the Facebook message on Instagram, Buck Sexton or Team Buck at iheartmedia.com, so all fun things there. You can send us those emails, and let's get to what do we got here? Let's get to uh, Maureen. Come on, Maureen. Have a... Wait, no, oh, that's the that's not Maureen. That's Eileen. Oh, wow, right? that yeah, was I bad. Just, yeah, that was really bad. I just realized that one. I'm definitely one of those people who's been singing songs with the wrong lyrics for so long now. That I refuse to believe that I've had it I've had it wrong that long. Do you know what I mean? Did you really think it was come on Maureen? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. I knew that one as soon as as soon as I said it. But there are others that I'm like, no, it can't be that, you know? So I'd love
3: to hear some examples when you think of them.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll I'll definitely think of some. I've definitely had songs though that for a long time I was singing the wrong lyrics, and then someone's like, That's not the lyrics. And I'm like, Yes, it is. You know, it's hard to believe that you've been singing the wrong song lyrics for a very long time. But anyway, I miss the 90s when I uh, oh, I want to be Jesse's girl. Yeah, he's right. I I wish that I had I wish that I could be Jesse's girl or whatever. I, I had that one wrong.
3: I think everyone had that one wrong. Yeah.
0: I wish I had Jesse's girl is what he's saying, right? I think I said I wish I was. Anyway, there's some other ones. Producer Nick just pointed that out. All right, let's get back to what Maureen actually has to say. Hey, Buck and producer Mark. Quick question. Once President Trump names his SCOTUS pick, is it legally allowed for the Senate to just immediately vote on it with no hearings whatsoever? I feel the hearings are nothing but theatrics and an invitation for the left to drag things out and create a hostile environment for an appointee. After the immediate vote, she should be sworn in the very next day. Thanks for all you and Mark do for us. Um, Maureen. Uh, I think that, yeah, they, they don't have to have hearings. I think it's up to the Senate. They just have to give they have to have a vote for the advice and consent clause to be uh, to be fulfilled. And I, yeah, I, I think that they shouldn't. I think they absolutely should not do the hearing. I think that the hearing is a mistake. I think that it's a bad idea. It just allows them another line of attack against Amy Coney Barrett. They'll play games. They'll try to extend it out. They'll play timeline games. They'll say there needs to be a, you know, a federal investigation of Amy Coney Barrett's, you know, I don't know, stock holdings or something. They'll come up with something. These people are, these people are ruthless and crazy and they don't want to believe that they've been the party of baby killers for the last 40 years. They don't want to, they don't want anyone to, and there's some part of them that realizes that the Supreme Court. Doesn't give you this wave of a hand that says, oh, yeah, no, you can totally do abortion any time of a pregnancy. A lot of people are going to think, hmm, maybe this isn't the innocuous thing that they've been saying it is. Uh, let's see what we have here next up in the mix. Joel. Uh, hello, men. Just listen to today's show and as always, tremendous. I got to admit, I'm liking this take-no-prisoners attitude you've adopted of late. This is the time to put our foot down and end the madness. So I, for one, appreciate the tone you're setting, as I'm sure your other listeners do, too. Keep up the fight, you and Producer Mark. Continue with the fun, entertaining, and informative show. You guys are a good team. Shields high. Joel, thank you. All right. See, Producer Mark, the people have spoken. Good. They like us. Yeah, they like us. Exactly. It's nice. We get to keep our jobs a little longer. Isn't that exciting?
3: I like to hear that, yes.
0: Yeah, I like, I like that, too. I want to get one of these jobs that I don't want to do. I've done that before. That's no fun. Yeah, we have what, fun. What is, worst, what is the worst job you've ever had? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, going back to when you were scooping ice cream as a teenager. Like, what's the, what's the one job you're like, this sucks? Oh, because worst job I've
3: ever had, I probably can't say on this radio show. Uh, I actually did scoop ice cream once. That was pretty How bad. Was that? Um, it wasn't as bad as you think, but it was still,
0: I mean, manual labor. I was an unpaid camp counselor for a summer called the counselor in training where you're one year shy of what you need to be. They had this program and then you would guarantee to be a camp counselor the year after it. But I realized once I was in it, one, if they like you, they'll just hire you. You don't have to do the training. And two, all I was doing was making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and carrying around big bags of equipment all day in the hot sun like by myself. It was the worst, worst job in the world for free it was a free job no i'm sorry i shouldn't say free i think they gave me a for eight weeks i think i got a 150 dollars stipend or a 200 stipend or something like that you know so i could get myself a nice walk man hey when you were a kid that's all that mattered yeah i was like 14 or 15 i guess i mean think, that, think about it jumped. you grew up in what the 60s so 150 dollars was a lot of money yeah, no, I mean, you could buy a whole 20-acre farm for $150 when I was a kid. You jerk. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, that, yeah that, was a bad, that was a bad gig. I'm trying to think of other gigs that I've had. Tutoring, I tutored to make extra money when I was, or just to make money when I was in high school. And tutoring is entirely dependent. The kids were always well-behaved. It was dealing with the parents that was a, that was a challenge. You know, the parents would be like, why didn't he get an A? And like, well, I don't know. I gave the kid a great outline, and we, t- we went through this stuff. But, you know, maybe he's got to study a little harder. Or, maybe he's just not that smart. You know, I mean, these are like, you can't, I don't know. The parents, I'm not a miracle worker. I don't know what to say. You know what I mean? I'm doing the best I can. You mean you didn't just take the test for them? No, that's, you got to pay more money for that. <laughs> and apparently now you can go to prison for that, as we see from these, uh, this like college admissions scandal thing. The most fun job I probably ever had was being a soccer coach. That was awesome. I want to coach again one day. It's so fun to... Uh, you ever coach? No. You'd be, I mean, you could coach ice hockey. That'd be fun. I probably could. I've never yeah. played, though. Yeah, but if you know enough about the game... Like, I'm a much better coach than I was a player, just because I can understand and conceptualize the things. But who's well. going to teach you the game? What do you
3: mean? You don't know any sports. I mean, I guess soccer. I played them. I know tennis, and I know
0: soccer. And how, I know do you, how do you coach soccer? Players.
3: Hey, uh, score a goal occasionally. Yeah. run
0: around the field with the ball. Wow, look at you. Oh. You know what's funny is that the audience is is 95% with you on the soccer hate. So I can't yeah. even I can't even begin, you know. I can't it's even like I wish I had dry. tried as a kid to play quarterback or something. It would have been fun to play football. Football didn't really exist in New York City as a sport that was played in high school. We just didn't have the fields or the programs for it. So it didn't So that's why you get a lot of soccer and lacrosse instead. Yeah, but if you have soccer and lacrosse fields, you have football fields. Um, yeah, but they didn't have the, they didn't have the programs, meaning they wouldn't have, they would have enough kids and Football schools, is very expensive, football too. Football team, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's, and plus you got to compete with the, uh, you know, you got to compete with the, the soccer and the, uh, you know, lacrosse teams that want those, those fields. So, yeah, there's not a lot, I think if you get out in the burbs, there's a little bit more football, but not really. It's not like in the South. I watch Friday Night Lights and it's like, football's life, we love it. Yeah, yeah, You know? Oh, they build thing. major stadiums like in Texas for high school football. I know that's you've seen Friday Night Lights, right? Of course. Yeah. 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 All right. Andy writes, hey, Buck and Mark, longtime listener. Going back to real news at the Blaze and Saturday, Commie Bear crew. Wow. Andy, you do go back. My man. Original Saturday squad. Listen every day. Buck is by far the heir apparent to Mr. Limbaugh. Well, don't tell my competitors that, Andy, but thank you. Anyway, listening to the Tuesday podcast. And I think you can't take your eye off Romney. Uh, he's a shyster, and my expectation is that he will not allow the, or rather, he will allow the vote and vote no with the Democrats. He's never said he would side with Trump, just that he would allow a vote. He's got an ego the size of Cleveland and will capitalize on any opportunity he sees to make himself a maverick a la John McCain. Andy, I do not disagree with you, man. i said, I didn't say that we're celebrating Mitt. I'm just saying, okay, he's moving the right direction, and if he does the right thing here, we gotta say good stuff, Mitt, right? We th- we we give credit where it is due. You know, I always say that, and we do. So, if Mitt votes for, assuming it's Amy Coney Barrett, we're gonna we're gonna have like a mid appreciation day on the show. Well, a mid appreciation, th- twenty seconds maybe. I'll bring my uh, baseball
3: glove. Yeah,
0: what is that for? It's a It's a baseball mitt. Oh, yes. Yes. No, I knew that. Uh, So we'll see, man. Jim, I mean, rather Andy, I think you could be correct on this one, though. We're going to watch Mitt very closely. He is a, a slippery one. That's for sure.
1: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
0: More roll call. Jim. Gets us going here. Lame duck president. One, a president who lost an election but serves from November to January 20th. Two, a president who served eight years and is ineligible to be voted toward the end of his eighth year. Obama was a lame duck. Trump is not. Shields and gavels high. Okay, Jim. Thank you for the, the clarification. We, we appreciate it. Ken, dear Buck, I discovered you pretty recently. Now I listen to you on your iHeart podcast. Yes, new team Buck. Ken, nothing makes me happier than new team Buck joining in the fold here. I find you refreshingly unpolished and relatable in comparison to your contemporaries. Okay, I'll take it unpolished. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, but does that mean I have, uh, I look scruffy? You're also extremely perceptive and have become one of my go-to resources for analysis. Keep up the excellent work. Since I'm a long-haul trucker and live on the road, I guess that makes me Team Gypsy. Shields high. Hey, Ken, we love Team Buck Truckers, man. Great to have you on board. I promise we'll keep you entertained, updated, informed. It's how we roll, and uh, we'll keep uh, we'll keep along there with you. And please tell some of your, uh, your fellow truckers out there, you know, you're hanging out, you know, uh, getting a milkshake or whatever, you know, you'd say, hey, you got to check out this guy's podcast. Pass the buck. Is that what you think truckers do? Well, I, I was I can't I, I would say not a beer their You know, their livelihood is dependent on being reliable and, and high level drivers. So they can't be drinking beer. At the, you know, what I'm well, saying? of
3: course. But you think they just all go to the truck stop together and share a milkshake every night? <laughs> I don't know if they I mean, milkshake is a good thing. I like milkshakes. What's wrong with milkshakes? And milkshakes are great. I just, I'm just curious your mindset of what truckers do. I mean, when they're at the stop, I assume they
0: get food and, you know, chat. I All don't
3: right, know. Fine. Fair. All
0: right. I'll give you this one. Yeah, the Yeah. The truckers, Team Buck truckers will weigh in on this. They'll tell us whether they indeed some. Look, milkshake is technically a little high calorically, can be a little fatty. I understand. So yeah, it's I not going to be for everybody. These guys want
3: to be able to fit into their trucks. They're not just drinking a milkshake every night.
0: I mean, I'm pretty sure if you, if you want to gain weight, one of the best ways to do it would just be, you know, after you've eaten dinner, it's time to go to bed, just have, make yourself a nice big milkshake and just, just pound that thing because you're, you're looking at, it's easy to drink 800, 800 to 1,000 calories that way. Easy.
3: Yeah, that's why I don't like, like, I, I enjoy milkshakes, but it's not my go-to because like, I'm, I'm drinking it. I, I'm, let me eat ice cream. It's solid. It makes me feel like I'm enjoying something.
0: Yes. Yes. And Team Buck's milkshake brings all the ears to the yard. Um oh, no, you went there. Yeah. All right. Uh Chris writes Producer Mark is your color commentator when sports come up, background and insight, shield side. Yeah, no, he's so yeah, we don't have Mark do play by play on the show. That would be weird. Hey Mark, just start pretending like you're watching sports, but he does tell us about what's going on the sports. Uh, well since since we're on the subject, anything interesting happening this week? In sports? Yeah. I mean, you've got the Stanley Cup Finals,
3: the... Uh, there's a, Who's in the Stanley Cup Finals? It's the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. It's a pretty good series so far. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: I'm glad. That, that's the big thing on my docket. I like it. Uh, Nick. Hey, Buck, listen to your show yesterday and I have an answer for how the left will block the SCOTUS vote. Okay, I'm all ears, Nick. You keep saying it'll be done because historically and legally it is correct. That is the very argument they will use because historically the USA is a racist country run by old white men and the Constitution was written by rich white men. So they can and must be ignored. Any senator who says differently will be branded a racist and be canceled. Unfortunately, this is the world we live in. This is one time I'd like to be wrong, but no, I'm not. Hang tough, my friend. Nick. uh, uh, We'll see. I don't. Think I don't think that's going to be the, but I don't know. I, I don't think that's going to be the approach. But I, I like that you're thinking outside the box um, because I, I don't know how procedurally that would really change anything. I mean, maybe that's going to be part of their of their pressure campaign. But I, I think that they're going to they're going to think something else up. I don't know. Todd, thank you for highlighting the story of Jake Gardner on your show Monday. It is a travesty, a tragedy. It's just heartbreaking. Nebraska may be flyover country to most of the rest of the America and the butt of a lot of jokes. but We are good people, optimistic and hardworking, loyal and kind, God fearing and America loving. This is not the way Nebraskans treat each other. Don Klein and whoever sat on that grand jury should be ashamed of themselves for the rest of their lives for bringing those charges against Mr. Gardner. They have blood on their hands for cowering to the mob. You're right. His own local government betrayed him. And now another vet has committed suicide. It didn't have to happen. Buck, you really showed your class and character by speaking up about Jake Gardner and his story and taking the strong stance you did. Thank you. If this can happen in Nebraska, it can happen anywhere. It's terrifying. Well, Todd, I uh, really appreciate you writing in with this, and, and we certainly do our best to raise important stories like this to the national level, national consciousness, and it is, it's a heartbreaking story. And uh, certainly we have always appreciated. I mean, Nebraskans have a special place in my heart because KFAB Omaha was one of the first big stations to put this show on the air now going on uh, almost exactly four years ago. So we've had Nebraskans listening in now for years, and, and we really appreciate the way that they've made Team Buck a part of their daily lives. Horace. Horace. Buck, I have to disagree with you on the Breonna Taylor shooting. Let's not forget, her boyfriend was wanted for selling drugs. He wasn't a terrorist about to blow up a building. They could have waited until he exited the building and apprehended him at that time or any other time. There was no need to confront him in his girlfriend's apartment. They knew it was his girlfriend's apartment. A cornered person is more likely to resort to fight over flight. I do believe you've heard that some police reform is worthwhile. If so, what reform? Do you see a problem with no-knock warrants? I know you don't have a problem with stop-and-frisk, another place we disagree But if you agree there should be some police reform, what does it look like to you? Um, Horace, this is going to sound like I'm dodging, but we're at the very, very end of the show. I'll say this. uh, No knock warrants. The reason that they would do that is because especially for drug cases, if you knock and you give somebody a few minutes to put all the drugs in the toilet, you're not going to find drugs on the scene necessarily. Right. Or they're going to hide the stash. So that's why that exists. And as for police reform, It's a very broad range of issues. Um, I actually seek prosecutorial reform more than specifically police reform. So that's the best answer I can give you with the clock ticking down to zero. But thank you for writing in. And uh, team, until tomorrow, Shields High.